Section 18 of From a Swedish Homestead by Selma Lagerlöf. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Reading by Lars Rolander. Section 18. Santa Caterina of Siena. At Santa Caterina's house in Siena, on a day towards the end of April, in the week when her fete is being celebrated, people come to the old house in the street of the dyers to the house with the pretty loggia and with the many small chambers which have now been converted into chapels and sanctuaries bringing bouquets of white lilies and the rooms are fragrant with incense and violets walking through these rooms one cannot help thinking that it is just as if she were dead yesterday as if all those who go in and out of her home to-day had seen and known her but on the other hand no one could really think that she had died recently for then there would be more grief and tears and not only a quiet sense of loss it is more as if a beloved daughter had been recently married and had left the parental home look only at the nearest houses the old walls are still decorated as if for a fete and in her own home garlands of flowers are still hanging beneath the portico and loggia green leaves are strewn on the staircase and the doorstep and large bouquets of flowers fill the rooms with their scent she cannot possibly have been dead five hundred years it looks much more as if she had celebrated her marriage and had gone away to a country from which she would not return for many years perhaps never are not the house decorated with nothing but red tablecloths red trappings and red silken banners and are there not stuck red paper roses in the dark garlands of oak leaves and the hanging over the doors and the windows are they not red with golden fringes can one imagine anything more cheerful and notice how the old women go about in the house and examine her small belongings it is as if they had seen her wear that very veil and that very shirt of hair they inspect the room in which she lived and point to the bedstead and the packets of letters and they tell how at first she could not at all learn to write but that it came to her all at once without her having learnt it and only look at her writing how good and distinct and then they point to the little bottle she used to carry at her belt so as always to have a little medicine at hand in case she met a sick person and they utter a blessing over the old lantern she held in her hand when she went and visited the sick in the long weary nights it is just as if they would say dear me dear me that our little katarina benincasa should be gone that she will never come any more and look after us old people and they kiss her picture and take a flower from the bouquets to keep as a remembrance it looks as if those who were left in the home had long ago prepared themselves for the separation and tried to do everything possible to keep alive the memory of the one who had gone away see there they have painted her on the wall 
there is the whole of her little history represented in every detail there she is when she cut off her beautiful long hair so that no man could ever fall in love with her for she would never marry oh dear oh dear how much ridicule and scoffing she had suffered on that account it is dreadful to think how her mother tormented her and treated her like a servant and made her sleep on the stone floor in the hall and would not give her any food all because of her being so obstinate about that hair but what was she to do when they continually tried to get her married she who would have no other bridegroom than christ and there she is when she was kneeling in prayer and her father coming into the room without her knowing it saw a beautiful white dove hovering over her head whilst she was praying and there she is on that christmas eve when she had gone secretly to the madonna's altar in order the more fully to rejoice over the birth of the son of god and the beautiful madonna leaned out of her picture and handed the child to her that she might be allowed to hold it for a moment in her arms oh what a joy it had been for her oh dear no it is not at all necessary to say that our little katarina benincasa is dead one need only say that she has gone away with the bridegroom in her home one will never forget her pious ways and doings all the poor of siena come and knock at her door because they know that it is the marriage day of the little virgin and large piles of bread lie in readiness for them as if she were still there they have their pockets and baskets filled had she herself been there she could not have sent them away more heavily laden she who had gone away had left so great a want that one almost wonders the bridegroom had the heart to take her away with him in the small chapels which have been arranged in every corner of the house they read mass the whole day and they invoke the bride and sing hymns in her praise holy katharina they say on this day of thy death which is thine heavenly wedding day pray for us holy katharina thou who hadst no other love but christ thou who in life wert his affianced bride and who in death was received by him in paradise pray for us holy katharina thou radiant heavenly bride thou most blessed of virgins thou whom the mother of god exalted to her son's side thou who on this day was carried by angels to the kingdom of glory pray for us it is strange how one comes to love her how the home and the pictures and the love of the old and the poor seem to make her living and one begins to wonder how she really was whether she was only a saint only a heavenly bride and if it is true that she was unable to love any other than christ and then comes to one's mind an old story which warmed one's heart long ago at first quite vague and without shape but whilst one is sitting there under the loggia in the festively decorated home and watching the poor wander away 
with their full baskets and hearing the subdued murmur from the chapels the story becomes more and more distinct and suddenly it is vivid and clear nicola tungo was a young nobleman of perugia who often came to siena on account of the races he soon found out how badly siena was governed and often said both at the festive gatherings of the great and when he sat drinking in the inns that siena ought to rise against the signoria and procure other rulers the signoria had not been in power for more than half a year they did not feel particularly firm in their office and did not like the perugian stirring up the people in order promptly to put a stop to it they had him imprisoned and after a short trial he was sentenced to death he was placed in a cell in the palazzo publico whilst preparations were being made for his execution which was to take place the next morning in the market-place at first he was strangely affected to-morrow he would no more wear his green velvet doublet and his beautiful sword he would no more walk down the street in his cap with the ostrich feather and attract the glances of the young maidens and he had a feeling of painful disappointment that he would never ride the new horse which he bought yesterday and which he had only tried once suddenly he called the jailer and asked him to go to the gentlemen of the signoria and tell them that he could not possibly allow himself to be killed he had no time he had far too much to do life could not do without him his father was old and he was the only son it was through his descendants that the family should be continued it was he who should give away his sisters in marriage he who should build the new palace he who should plant the new vineyard he was a strong young man he did not know what sickness was had nothing but life in his veins his hair was dark and his cheeks red he could not realize that he should die when he thought of their wanting to take him away from pleasure and dancing and the carnival and from the races next sunday and from the serenade he was going to sing to the beautiful giulietta lombard he became furiously angry and his wrath was roused against the councillors as though they were thieves and robbers the scoundrels the scoundrels that would take his life from him but as time went on his longings grew deeper he longed for air and water and heaven and earth he felt he would not mind being a beggar by the wayside he would gladly suffer sickness and hunger and cold if only he were allowed to live he wished that everything might die with him that nothing would be left when he was gone that would have been a great consolation but that people should go to the market-place and buy and sell and that women would fetch water from the well and that the children would run in the streets the next day and all days and that he would not be there to see that he could not bear he envied not only those who could live in luxury and pleasure and were happy he envied quite as much the most miserable cripple what he wanted was life 
solely life then the priests and the monks came to see him it made him almost happy for now he had someone upon he could wreak his anger he first allowed them to talk a little it amused him to hear what they had to say to a man so deeply wronged as he was but when they said that he ought to rejoice that he was permitted to leave this life and gain the bliss of heaven in the fullness of his youth then he started up and poured forth his wrath upon them he scoffed at god and the joys of heaven he did not want them he would have life and the world and its pomps and vanities he regretted every day in which he had not revelled in earthly enjoyment he regretted every temptation he had resisted god need not trouble himself in the least about him he felt no longing for his heaven the priest continued to speak he seized one of them by the throat and would have killed him had not the jailer thrown himself between them they now bound and gagged him and then preached to him but as soon as he was allowed to speak he raged as before they talked to him for many hours but they saw that it was of no avail when they could think of nothing else to do one of them suggested they should send for the young caterina benicasa who had shown great power in subduing defiant spirits when the erudian heard the name he suddenly ceased his abuse in truth it pleased him it was something quite different having to do with a young beautiful maiden by all means send for the maiden he said he knew that she was the young daughter of a dyer and that she went about alone and preached in the lanes and streets of the town some thought she was mad others said that she had visions for him she might anyhow be better company than these dirty monks who made him completely beside himself the monks then went their way and he was alone shortly afterwards the door was again opened but if she for whom they had sent had really entered the cell she must have walked with very light footsteps for he heard nothing he lay on the floor just as he had thrown himself down in his great anger now he was too tired to raise himself or make a movement or even to look up his arms were tied together with ropes which cut deep into his flesh he now felt that someone began to loosen his bands a warm hand touched his arm and he looked up beside him lay a little figure in the white dress of the dominicans with head and neck so shrouded in a white veil that there was no more of her face to be seen than of that of a knight in helmet and closed visor she did not look so meek by any means she was evidently a little annoyed he heard her murmur something about the jailers who had tightened the bands it did not appear as if she had come for any other purpose than these knots she was only taken up with loosing them so that they did not hurt at last she had to bite in them and then she succeeded she untied the cord with a light hand and then took the little bottle which was suspended from her belt and poured a few drops upon the chafed skin 
he lay the whole time and looked at her but she did not meet his glance it appeared as she could think of nothing else but what she had between her hands it was as if nothing were further from her thoughts than that she was there to prepare him for death he felt so exhausted after his passion and at the same time so quieted by her presence that he only said i think i will sleep it is a great shame that they have not given you any straw she said for a moment she looked about undecided then she sat down upon the floor and placed his head in her lap are you better now she said never in his whole life had he felt such a rest yet sleep he could not but he lay and looked up in her face which was like wax and transparent such eyes he had never seen before they were always looking far far away gazing into another world whilst she sat quite motionless so as not to disturb his sleep you are not sleeping nicola tungo she said and looked uneasy i cannot sleep he replied because i am wondering who you can be i am a daughter of luca benicasa the dyer and his wife lapa she said i know that he said and i also know that you go about and preach in the streets and i know that you have attired yourself in the dress of a nun and have taken the vows of chastity but yet i don't know who you are she turned her head away a little then she said whispering like one who confesses her first love i'm the bride of christ he did not laugh on the contrary he felt quite a pang in his heart as from jealousy oh christ he said as if she had thrown herself away she heard that his tone was contemptuous but she thought he meant that she had spoken too presumptuously i do not understand it myself she said but so it is is it an imagination or a dream he said she turned her face towards him the blood rose red behind the transparent skin he saw suddenly that she was fair as a flower and she became dear to him he moved his lips as if to speak but at first no sound came how can you expect me to believe that he said defiantly is it not enough for you that i am here in the prison with you she asked raising her voice is it any pleasure for a young girl like me to go to you and other evil-doers in their gloomy dungeons is it usual for a woman to stand and preach at the street corners as i do and to be held in derision do i not require sleep as other people and yet i must rise every night and go to the sick in the hospitals am i not timid as other women and yet i must go to the high-born gentlemen at their castles and reason with them i must go to the plague-smitten i must see all vice and sin when have you seen another maiden do all this but i am obliged to do it poor thing he said and stroked her hand gently poor thing for i am not braver or wiser or stronger than others she said it is just as hard for me as for other maidens you can see that i have come here to speak with you about your soul but i do not at all know what i shall say to you 
it was strange how reluctantly he would allow himself to be convinced you may be mistaken all the same he said how do you know that you can call yourself the bride of christ her voice trembled and it was as if she should tear out her heart when she replied it began when i was quite young i was not more than six years old it was one evening when i was walking with my brother in the meadow below the church of the dominicans and just as i looked up at the church i saw christ sitting on a throne surrounded by all his power and glory he was attired in shining white garments like the holy father in rome his head was surrounded by all the splendor of paradise and around him stood pietro paolo and the evangelist giovanni and whilst i gazed upon him my heart was filled with such a love and holy joy that i could hardly bear it he lifted his hand and blessed me and i sank down on the meadow and was so overcome with bliss that my brother had to take me in his arms and shake me and ever since that time nicola tungo i have loved jesus as a bridegroom he again objected you were a child then you had fallen asleep in the meadow and were dreaming dreaming she repeated have i been dreaming all the time i have seen him was it a dream when he came to me in the church in the likeness of a beggar and asked for alms then i was wide awake at any rate and do you think that for the sake of a dream only i could have borne all the worries i have had to bear as a young girl because i would not marry nicola went on contradicting her because he could not bear the thought that her heart was filled with love to another but even if you do love christ maiden how do you know that he loves you she smiled her very happiest smile and clapped her hands like a child now you shall hear she said now i will tell you the most important of all it was the last night before lent it was after my parents and i had been reconciled and i had obtained their permission to take the vow of chastity and wear the dress of a nun although i continued to live in their house and it was night as i told you the last night of the carnival when everybody turns night into day there were fetes in every street on the walls of the big palaces hung balconies like cages completely covered with silken hangings and banners and filled with noble ladies i saw all their beauty by the light of the red torches in their bronze holders the one row over the other quite up to the roof and in the gaily decorated streets there was a train of carriages with golden towers and all the gods and goddesses and all the virtues and beauties went by in a long procession and everywhere there was such a play of masks and so much merriment that i am sure that you sir have never taken part in anything more gay and i took refuge in my chamber but still i heard laughter from the street and never before have i heard people laugh like that it was so clear and bell-like that every one was obliged to join in it and they sang songs which i suppose were wicked 
but they sounded so innocent and caused such pleasure that one's heart trembled then in the middle of my prayers i suddenly began to wonder why i was not out amongst them and the thought fascinated and tempted me as if i were dragged along by a runaway horse but never before have i prayed so intensely to christ to show me what was his will with me suddenly all the noise ceased a great and wonderful silence surrounded me and i saw a great meadow where the mother of god sat amongst the flowers and on her lap lay the child jesus playing with lilies but i hurried thither in great joy and knelt before the child and was at the same moment filled with peace and quietness and then the holy child placed a ring on my finger and said to me no katharina that to-day i celebrate my betrothal with thee and bind thee to me by the strongest faith o oh, katharina the young perugian had turned himself on the floor so that he could bury his face in her lap it was as if he could not bear to see how radiant she was whilst she was speaking and now her eyes became bright as stars a shadow of pain passed over him for whilst she spoke a great sorrow had sprung up in his heart this little maiden this little white maiden he could never win her love belonged to another it could never be his it was of no use even to tell her that he loved her but he suffered his whole being groaned in love's agony how could he bear to live without her it almost became a consolation to remember that he was sentenced to death it was not necessary for him to live and do without her then the little woman beside him sighed deeply and came back from the joys of heaven in order to think of poor human beings i forgot to speak to you about your soul she said then he thought this burden at any rate that can lighten for her sister katharina he said i do not know how it is but heavenly consolation has come to me in god's name i will prepare for death now you may send for the priests and monks now i will confess to them but one thing you must promise me before you go you must come to me to-morrow when i shall die and hold my head between your hands as you are doing now when he said this she burst into tears from a great feeling of relief and an unspeakable joy filled her how happy you must be nicola tungo she said you will be in paradise before i am and she stroked his face gently he said again you will come to me to-morrow in the market-place perhaps i shall otherwise be afraid perhaps i cannot otherwise die with steadfastness but when you are there i shall feel nothing but joy and all fear will leave me you do not seem to me any more as a poor mortal she said but as a dweller of paradise you appear to me radiant with life surrounded by incense bliss comes to me from you who shall so soon meet my beloved bridegroom be assured i shall come 
she then led him to confession and the communion he felt the whole time as if he were asleep all the fear of death and the longing for life had passed away from him he longed for the morning when he should see her again he thought only of her and of the love with which she had inspired him death seemed to him now but a slight thing compared with the pain of the thought that she would never love him the young maiden did not sleep much during the night and early in the morning she went to the place of execution to be there when he came she invoked jesu mother marie and the holy katharina of egypt virgin and martyr incessantly with prayers to save his soul incessantly she repeated i will that he shall be saved i will i will but she was afraid that her prayers were unavailing for she did not feel any longer that ecstasy which had filled her the evening before she only felt an infinite pity for him who should die she was quite overcome with grief and sorrow little by little the market-place filled with people the soldiers marched up the executioner arrived and much noise and talking went on around her but she saw and heard nothing she felt as if she were quite alone when nicola tungo arrived it was just the same with him he had no thought for all the others but saw only her when he saw at first glance that she was entirely overcome with sorrow his face beamed and he felt almost happy he called loudly to her you have not slept much this night maiden no she said i have watched in prayer for you but now i am in despair for my prayers have no power he knelt down before the block and she knelt so that she could hold his head in her hands now i am going to your bridegroom katharina she sobbed more and more i can comfort you so badly she said he looked at her with a strange smile your tears are my best comfort the executioner stood with his sword drawn but she bade him with a movement stand on one side for she would speak a few words with the doomed man before you came she said i laid my head down on the block to try if i could bear it and then i felt that i was still afraid of death that i do not love jesus enough to be willing to die in this hour and i do not wish you to die either and my prayers have no power when he heard this he thought had i lived i should have won her and he was glad he should die before he had succeeded in drawing the radiant heavenly bride down to earth but when he had laid his head in her hands a great consolation came to them both nicola tungo she said i see heaven open the angels descend to receive your soul a wondering smile passed over his face could what he had done for her sake make him worthy of heaven he lifted his eyes to see what she saw the same moment the sword fell but katharina saw the angels ascend lower and lower saw them lift his soul saw them carry it to heaven all at once it seemed so natural 
that katarina benin casa has lived all these five hundred years how could one forget that gentle little maiden that great loving heart again and again they must sing in her praise as they are now singing in the small chapels pia mater et humilis nature memor fragilis in hoius vite fiuctibus nos rege tuis presibus quern vidi quem amavi in quem credidi quem dilexi ora pro nobis ut digni efficiamur pro messionibus christi santa catarina ora pro nobis pious and gentle mother thou who knowest our weak nature guide us by thy prayers through this life's vicissitudes thou whom i saw and loved in whom i believed and whom i adored pray for us that we may be worthy of christ's promises holy katharina pray for us end of section eighteen read by lars rolander